Today's podcast is presented by Podgo. Hey, if you're a fellow podcaster, let me tell you about Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast. That's right. They're providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space, so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. Apply today and become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at P-O-D-G-O dot C-O. And let them know the nerd sent you by adding our podcast, The Amazing Nerd Show, in the How Did You Hear About Podgo section of the application. Once again, that's podgo.co at P-O-D-G-O dot C-O. Nerds, it's time to suit up and nerd up. Launching Badass Rockabilly Track. Now booking your court-mandated therapy session. Time to save the world with some wrestling, video games, movies, horror, and more. Launching ANS in 3, 2, 1. Welcome to the Amazing Nerd Show. Hey, this is Christian. Hey, this is Damon. And this is the Amazing Nerd Show. All right, this week, once again, we're breaking down the latest episode of The Falcon and the Witcher Soldier. And we're also reviewing Godzilla vs. Kong. And of course, we talk all the things that happened this week in wrestling. All right, but before we move on, make sure to subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform. And while you're at it, give us a five-star review and DM us a screenshot. Not only will we read it on the show, but we'll send you some Amazing Nerd Show swag. All right, so this week we have a review from J Cub KC, uh, and it says, "Thank you. Very fun and entertaining podcast. If you love movies, TV, or video games, the hosts of the show are comedic yet insightful and thoughtful, and help make my painting career a lot more enjoyable. Also, love learning about topics I'm unfamiliar with, like the latest horror films and wrestling." Hey, yeah, thanks for the listen, man. Happy to get you through the day. That's right, and thank you for the review. Uh, if you're interested, go ahead, uh, DM us your address, and we'll send you some show swag. I actually just uh, did some new stickers with our logo on it, Christian. Awesome. I should pick some up. No. <laughs> <laughs> Came straight out of my pocket, buddy. <laughs> Pay up or shut up. Let's get into the news. Every week we collect the biggest headlines and rumors of nerdum. We're not mild-mannered reporters, we're mere podcasters with opinions. All right, starting off, we've got some Star Wars news. So after weeks of a bit of a drought, uh, Star Wars-wise for the podcast, uh, we finally got some news, and it's coming from the Obi-Wan series. Uh, Earlier this week, they announced pretty much their entire cast, Um, at least a lot of them. So this list is, of course, in addition to uh, Ewan McGregor, who's returning as Obi-Wan Kenobi, and Hayden Christensen, who will be playing the iconic Sith Lord Darth Vader. So also returning to the franchise, is Joel Edgerton and Bonnie Peace who will be playing Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru. We've got Camille Manjani who's also in the upcoming Inhumans film. He's definitely building up his nerd cred. Um, we also have O'Shea Jackson Jr., Moses Ingram, Simone Kessel, Sung Kang, Rupert Friend, Benny Softy, and Indra Varma from Game of Thrones fame. So pretty much at this point we have no idea who any of those actors will be playing in the series. We do however know a little bit about the synopsis for the show. Um, 
Um, it'll be taking place 10 years after Obi-Wan's dramatic duel with his former Padawan. We also know that it's going to be directed by Deborah Chow, who did a couple episodes of The Mandalorian. And we know that filming is starting sometime this month. So that's excellent news, if you ask me. All right, Damon, do you think there's going to be a young Luke casted for this? Uh, I'm guessing they're going to have to if Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru's in it. Uh, Luke would be about 10 years old here. So as long as we're not like, I don't know, too exposed to Luke, though, because um, I don't want that to be the series, even though that's totally going to be the series. It's probably going to end up being like the professional in space. You know, I don't know if you know that. Remember that old movie with like Natalie Portman? Barely. And Gary Oldman. I, it came out when I was born, man. OK, whatever. <laughs> Stop making me feel old. Anyway, that's it's not a bad concept. I just don't want to be overexposed to Luke. I feel like Star Wars always struggles with kids. You know, everything that happened with the, a young Anakin, I don't know, maybe it's traumatized me. So <laughs> the less exposure uh -huh. that we get, I don't want it to feel like, you know, like I want Darth Vader to find them. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got to imagine he was a whiny brat when we meet him in episode four, let alone like what he'd be like as a kid. I know. And you don't want that to like derail the whole series. So. You know, I mean, a little. I think you're going to get glimpses of him. I just don't want the whole series to be about that. Because then I feel like you're going to start messing with continuity, too. Well, I mean, that's one of my, like, main fears for this series in general. Just, like, what what will they do with Obi-Wan? You know, how much are they going to change his story? You know, are they going to pull things from Legends or not? We'll, we'll find out. All right, up next, Russell Crowe joins the MCU. That's right. The Oscar-winning star of Gladiator, Russell Crowe, has joined the cast of Thor Love and Thunder in another undisclosed role. Uh, we know he'll be joining his fellow Oscar winner and MCU newcomer, Christian Bell, uh, who will be taking on the role of Gore the God Butcher, the main antagonist in this film. Uh, Thor Love and Thunder is set to hit theaters on May 6, 2022. I'm not even going to begin to speculate who Crow could be playing, but um, I do get some like strong young Odin vibes from him. So maybe like a reincarnated version of that character, or maybe he's playing Odin in one of those like now infamous like play scenes, you know, which we saw like Matt Damon play Loki. And I don't know, actually, I think there was an Odin in that, right? That wasn't Sam Neill Odin in, in that scene. But anyway, um, who knows? Ooh, how about Beta Ray Bill? Uh, he'd be awesome as Beta Ray Bill, but I don't even know how he would fit in the film. But anyway, I said I wasn't going to speculate. I'm totally speculating. Um, Russell Crowe's in the movie, and that's all we know. No, yeah, your guess is as good as mine. Um, they're just really packing in the, the star power into this film. Well, all right, get ready for some Lion-O because we're getting a Thundercats film from Godzilla vs. Kong director. So Adam Wingard has been tapped by Warner Brothers to helm the Thundercats movie. Uh, Deadline is reporting that they'll use the animated series as a jumping off point for the story, but will deal with the characters in a way that's unique to the movie. I don't know what the hell that means. Um, but anyway, this is said to be a passion project for Wingard, so that's good news. Uh, Wingard told Deadline, uh, when I was in high school, I was obsessed with it. You'd think at that point I was a little too old that my years of obsession with Thundercats would be like when I was six years old. My real obsession with Thund Thundercats came in high school though. Uh, the pinnacle for me was deciding I wanted to be a filmmaker and then uh, pushing in that direction. I actually spent most of my 10th grade year um, and I completely blew it, um, not paying attention to school and making terrible grades and the 
reason was I was writing my Thundercats screenplay through my entire 10th grade year, and I was handwriting it, so the screenplay itself ended up being 272 pages long, and I still have it. That's a hell of a quote deadline. <laughs> Well, um, it definitely sounds like he's a true fan. I mean, as long as he doesn't pull like a Michael Bay uh, with what he did with the Transformers, I'm looking forward to this. Uh, the characters have such a cool look, especially like the villain Mumra. I mean, I was always more of a Masters of the Universe uh, guy, but you know, as an 80s kid, I definitely dabbled with the Thundercats. Um, I guess as long as they're gonna do it right, this really should be like printing money for Warner Brothers. But once again, that's of course if they do it right, and we know their record with decision making has been spotty at times, let's say. I mean, my main fear is that it'll end up like cats. You know, yeah. that horrendous <laughs> piece of media. <laughs> yeah, I would definitely want them to go more with like practical effects, uh -huh. um, not like just overuse the CGI, because I would be fearful that it would end up looking like what we got with cats. Um, I did, that did cross my mind though. Um, so, because I feel like the Thundercat look, you could get away, like, using, like, prosthetics. I mean, their look is very, like, humanoid, so I feel like it'd be pretty easy to pull it off, you know, using practical effects. Like, you don't have to fucking, like, avatar this shit, right? No, exactly. I... They, they most likely will, but it's just like, I would rather something like those early 90s, like crazy costumes that mm -hmm. they did in fantasy films than, you know, get a full CGI Lion-O, you know? Yeah, like, exactly. That's just... <laughs> exactly. But I, you're right. I mean, that's probably the route they're going to end up going. But hey, this is this has been his dream since he was in 10th grade or whatever. Yeah, so holy maybe, shit, right? <laughs> maybe he has a plan. Maybe he's been budgeting for this his whole life, too. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> He's already like designed all the characters. Uh huh. <laughs> He's got a whole warehouse like full of effects going for him, costumes and shit. He's been sewing and shit. All right. He never graduated <laughs> high school. Wow. <laughs> Well, another Warner Brothers news, DC's New Gods and the Trench movies not moving forward at Warner Brothers. Some news that I was definitely hoping was some kind of April Fool's Day joke, but unfortunately that's not the case. Um, according to a report from The Hollywood Reporter, the two DC projects that have been in development at Warner Brothers for quite some time are currently not moving forward. In a statement from Warner Brothers and DC on Thursday, it was confirmed that both Ava DuVernay's New Gods uh, and the Aquaman spinoff, The Trench, are dead for the time being. Uh, the report does clarify that the door is open for both films to be revisited, though. Uh, according to sources cited in the report, the decision was made as Warner Brothers is trying to build an upcoming slate of DC movies and HBO Max shows, uh, and the studio determined that there was not a natural spot for either of the films in the coming future. Uh, with the new cuts, uh, one of the determining factors was apparently the recent appearance of Darkseid and the other characters from that corner of the universe in Zack Snyder's Justice League. Uh, with that report indicating that there was a desire to have space between the recently released HBO Max film and any future appearances. Uh, for The Trench, it seems like Warner Brothers is choosing instead to focus more on the Aquaman sequel. Man, I know along with Ava, uh, Tom King was also working on the script for New Gods, so that makes it even more disappointing, at least to me, because I was really hoping to get a live action version of Mr. Miracle. And if you haven't read Tom King's like run on Mr. Miracle, um, definitely do yourself
yourself a favor after you listen to this podcast, of course, uh, head over to Amazon or your local comic book store. Pick up the trade paperback of Mr. Miracle. It is one of my favorite comics of the last decade or more. But regardless of all that, definitely some unfortunate news coming from the DC camp. I don't know, man. It just sounds like this film could still be in production if they wanted it to be in production. Because, I mean, it's not like it could come out next year. It's not like it was like on the table for like these next two years at all. No, it's definitely like two or three years out at this point. Exactly. And very early stages of pre-production. So. Um, and I, I don't know. It just felt like they didn't want to cause like confusion with like, you know, Darkseid and the gang showing up in Zack Snyder's Justice League and then releasing a new Gods movie that's completely different than what we saw in like, you know, Justice League. Uh, but I feel like fans nowadays are like sophisticated enough to like mm-hmm. handle that and not, you know, be completely confused. So I don't know. They can handle two Jokers. No, right. Within exactly. the same like time span. It's just, no, I exactly. Know. I mean, once again, it's some you know studio executives like overthinking things, so and not giving like you know people enough credit. Yeah, it's just disappointing. I did have my hopes up to get something similar to the hellscapes that we saw in Mister Miracle with um, Apocalypse and stuff like that. The way that they you know depicted it in those comics was just so like oh so interesting. I wanted to know what was going on in that planet. I was definitely interested to see like what a director would do with those types of imagery and stuff like that with those characters. I mean, it's dark as fuck on those planets, mm-hmm. but I'd definitely be interested to see where that would go. Yeah, I mean, it could have been epic, but who knows? Hopefully they revisit it at some point. So Christian, we have a lot of trailers to get into this week. Um, It's been a long time since we've had like three trailers, you know, come out all at once. Exactly. I, I got to imagine maybe they're just trying to get ready for the theaters possibly opening or something. That's I don't know. exactly what I was going to say. Hollywood's back. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Knock on wood. All right. Well, first up, we're talking the Suicide Squad. What's the plan? How am I supposed to know? You're the leader. You're supposed to be decisive. And I've decided that you should eat a big bag of dicks. If this whole beach was completely covered in dicks, and somebody said I'd eat every dick until the beach was clean for liberty, I would say no problem. Why would someone put penises all over the beach? Who knows why madmen do what they do? So, Christian, what did you think of the Red Band version of this trailer? It has James Gunn written all over it. I mean, like, if you told me that this was, like gonna be guardians of the galaxy but in dc form i mean that's exactly what this is <laughs> yes but it was wonderful Almost, like yes <laughs> i can't complain that's 100 percent a positive statement um, uh-huh. <laughs> no this definitely had all the bells and whistles that you expected from like a james gunn film um you know like i said just wonderful tons of characters i know nothing about <laughs> my dc fandom only goes so far unfortunately um i'm definitely more of a marvel guy so i'm like who the fuck is polka dot man and what is his powers <laughs> but he seems like a marvelous fucking sociopath so uh-huh. i'm totally on board um i'm also enjoying like how comic book accurate they're going with like all these characters absolutely um you know even though i just said i don't know much about the characters i mean they look <laughs> like they're straight off the like the panels so i really dug that um there's not much story set up here it's really just kind of reinstating what we know about the suicide squad already um i definitely think um cena as peacemaker is going to steal the show if anything i feel like this is going to be his like big breakout role um you know outside of fast and furious and whatever other shit he's been doing lately but i think this is going to be huge for him 
And obviously they think so too because they gave him his own solo series. Exactly. You know, before the film even came out. So um <laughs> yeah, his line about the beach full of dicks, you know, stole yes. the trailer. <laughs> even more so than watching like King Shark devour people. Um, which was also pretty amazing. Um, I yes. was a little disappointed. I know uh-huh. the rumor was that Sylvester Stallone was going to be voicing the character, but it does feel like, I don't know, it's mirroring what Gunn did with Groot and Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, I'm hoping that there's more to it than just him saying like a couple words here and there. I've been mm-hmm. watching like the Harley Quinn like animated series on HBO Max, and I really like King Shark in that series. I believe he's voiced by Ron Funches. The character's just hilarious. So I was hoping to get more of that, you know, here with, you know, the Suicide Squad. And it feels like a perfect fit for Gunn, but he decided to kind of go with like, I don't know, it seems like more of like the simpleton route. Um, you know, which is fine. I, I like that they're not toning yeah. down the violence of having like a giant man shark devour people. I mean, I've always he's always been a bit thick headed from what I've read of him in like Suicide Squad books and stuff like that. But I've never seen, mm-hmm. you know, like him be this dumb. You know, like he's usually just an yeah. asshole. He's just a big now, here beefy asshole what? that's running around eating people. He's yeah. not like, you know, oh, my yeah, hand seems a bit much. But <laughs> like, I mean, what? it is what it is. I'm sure it's worked for him in the past. I'm sure I'll work here. <laughs> I trust Gunn. Uh-huh. The film also visually just looks beautiful. Um, Gunn has become such a great action director um, over the, like, you know, since Guardians and everything. Like, his action sequences are just off the chain at this point. So, and I feel like it, they've got a certain style to them where you know it's a James Gunn scene at this point. So, um, but yeah, no, like that one scene with Harley you know, firing away and that that burst of flowers like in slow motion taking that that was just a beautiful scene. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, and it, it, it feels at times like he's directing like music videos, but like they're not like shallow, though. You know, they add to the story and they fit perfectly in what he's trying to like do. Um, you know, we definitely had some classic hard rock playing here in the trailer. I'm sure the soundtrack's probably filled with that. But once again, like I feel like that's his voice in these yes. films. So I'm totally fine with that. You know, it's kind of like what Quentin Tarantino does with his soundtracks. Yeah, once again, we didn't get much story-wise from this. I mean, it seems like they're trying to protect Peter Capaldi's character. Um, But I'm not quite sure if that's the deal. (laughs) Also, we see Starro, which is like a huge Justice League-like level threat. So I don't know if they're going to be really facing off against Starro or what the case is. But, I mean, that would be amazing. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I'd love to see that. At least they're going to try to survive <laughs> Star <laughs> Well, regardless, it's got to be better than what they did with the Enchantress in the first film. So, But, yeah, this this looked fantastic. And I'm, I'm glad that they led with the R-rated trailer, you know, up front. So, I mean, this exactly. is definitely on my, like, I don't know, top three most anticipated films, you know, this year. So this can't get here soon enough. Exactly, and you'll get to see it August 6, 2021. All right, so up next, we got the first full trailer for Spiral. Find him. They got hours, not days. How can I catch this guy? If there's nobody on the bus, I can bust! You can't do this alone. Whoever did this has another motive, something personal. When was the last time you saw your father? So, Christian, I actually enjoyed this trailer a lot more than the teaser that we got. It felt much more akin to, like, a Saw film. 
Um, I was a little disappointed to see that this seems to be like a sequel to that franchise. I was hoping yeah. that, you know, it would be like, you know, a remake or a reimagining, what the fuck they call it nowadays in Hollywood. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, this is definitely going to be, uh, you know, a, a situation of a copycat killer, you know, trying to take over the mantle of Jigsaw. Um, you know, I'm guessing that his name's actually Spiral. Uh, but yeah, it looks like from the trailer too that they must have heard everyone, you know, guessing that <laughs> Sam Jackson uh-huh. is, is, the, is the murderer um, because they they start off the trailer with like that being kind of a red herring, but it seems at least it seems like that's not the case here. But I guess that could just be fancy editing too. So um, he's not innocent. It, it's good. I can tell you right now his storyline. He was searching after Jigsaw or whatever in the past and then became one of his allies, just like all the you other ones. You think he's like an acolyte <laughs> for, for Jigsaw? Uh-huh. Um, he might maybe. not be the killer, but he's helping in some fashion. You think fashion. he's helping? Yeah. Well, that's uh-huh. what I was saying with the fucking teaser. <laughs> I was like, oh, it's Sam Jackson. <laughs> um, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. So, I mean, he definitely uh-huh. interacted with Jigsaw at some point. But, you know, Spyro might be going after him. I'm just naming the character Spyro now. Um, uh-huh. You know, the copycat killer, whatever. <laughs> but, like, he might be going after Sam Jackson because of that. You know, like, maybe he, like, came close or, you know, somehow got in the way of Jigsaw. I don't know. Um, Chris Rock is literally screaming for, like, two minutes of this trailer. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but that could also just be a choice of whoever's, like, you know, editing these things together. I hope that's mm-hmm. not the entire film, just Chris Rock screaming at people. Um, it works for Sam Jackson. I don't know if it works for Chris Rock, though. <laughs> um, there was a real, like, dark tone to this trailer, and I was kind of worried about the tone with like Chris Rock, I, I believe he actually wrote the script. Like I thought maybe like, okay, are we gonna have like punchlines throughout or, you know, too many jokes here and there. But no, this is like a straight fucking horror film. So, I mean, he mu- he must've really dug Saw and just wanted to be part of the franchise, which is pretty cool if you ask me as a horror fan. So, um, I don't know, I don't know. Um, I love that we got to see the pig mask again. Uh, it's one of my favorite mm. looks for Jigsaw. So I hope we get more of that. So we didn't see Billy the Puppet, which I was a little disappointed by, but they might be holding off on that. You know, maybe that's something that pops up at, like, you know, the final act of the film or something. Yeah. Um, that's your um, game over scene. Yeah, right. Because <laughs> they're obviously playing with his visuals with the whole spiral, mm-hmm. you know, being painted on all of the walls and everything. It seems like at crime scenes and everything, so... Um, but yeah, I, I still can't get over the voice, like not hearing Tobin Bell, you know, <laughs> yeah. um, the voice is distorted and everything doesn't quite work for me. Um, feels a little off, but if we get like creative enough deaths and like traps and everything, I'll forgive it, honestly. So, um, hopefully this breathes like, you know, life into the Saw franchise. Exactly. I did like the, um, you know, the aspect of Chris Rock's character being like, it could be anyone. And then actually in the trailer, they have a cop ask him, when's the last time you've seen his father? And then at the end of the trailer, the um, jigsaw person or whoever is spiral, whoever's doing the killings asks him the exact same question. So they're really playing on like, who is it? I feel like they're painting him as the red Harry, like here. Like, uh-huh. I almost wish they didn't do that so much in the trailer because I feel like they're showing their hand a little where, you know, I feel like that's going to be an aspect in the movie, but it's not really him. Because I don't think they would sh- like mm-hmm. I don't feel like they'd harp on that speculation so much 
you know, up front if that was really the case. You see what I'm saying? Like, I kind of wish yeah. that wasn't up front and center. So that could be something that, you know, you discover on your own, like organically, you know, while watching yeah. the film. I'm sure I'll forget the trailer by the time the movie comes out and then, you know, go in blind enough, <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> and that's the one thing I didn't like about the trailer. I felt like it showed you just a little too much. Um, where the teaser trailer didn't show you shit. Like, it didn't even feel like a Saw film. This trailer was definitely the exact opposite. Where it was like, okay, we could have dialed some of this back a little. Yeah, I wish they left a little, like, air of mystery of, like, what exactly is going on in the film. And let us, like, go into it blind. But it is what it is. I was still impressed with it overall. Um, and this is coming out May 14th. So it will be here sooner than later. Yes, we will unravel it. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> so up next, we got a trailer for The Bad Batch. You're Climb Force 99. You know who we are. Hunter. Let's go. Echo. Hyperdrive's online. Tick. Prepping to jump. Wrecker. Let's blow something up. Yeah! And Crosshair. Your move. <laughs> We're all you need. So, Christian, I had my doubts, but I got to say, I think they've won me over. I'm excited for the Bad Batch. Oh, yeah? You're ready for some, you know, clone-centric episodes? I am. I am. Um, you All know, right. I, I love the whole idea of exploring, you know, the Star Wars universe, like, directly after Order 66. It feels like they're setting up Grand Moff Tarkin as, like, the main villain also. So, it's it, it feels like they're on the run. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, if that's the setup for this, I'm sold 100%. Yeah, we didn't get enough. I don't feel like there was enough Tarkin in the Clone Wars series. And it'd be interesting to see if he's raising up through the ranks to reach Grand Moff rather than starting off there, you know, in this I'm series. I'm not sure, because at the end of Revenge of the Sith, we see him like, you know, standing right next to the Emperor. True. So um, it feels like he might already be in that position of power. But, I mean, you're right. I'm not sure. I don't know if this is going to be, like, a low-key, like, Grand Moff, like, Tarkin, like, prequel. Um, that would be cool, where we kind of see, like, his, like, ascension. But, uh, you mm. know, I don't know. I'll take what I can get. <laughs> he's such a great character. I mean, for the limited amount mm. of screen time he's really had in all the Star Wars films, uh, it'd be nice to, like, explore that character here. Yeah, I mean, like, as we've seen in the, in the comics, he can be real ruthless. So it'd be interesting to see how far they let him go in this actual show to take down, you know, uh, the 99. In this trailer, too, we see them interacting with, uh, a, like, a child character, um, mm -hmm. you know, who seems to be, like, a total, like, you know, fan of, you know, the 99. Obviously, I don't know what that's about. Um, I hope that's not, like, the center of the story, but I have a feeling that it is. Because I'm, I'm yeah, fine I'm, with just, like, battle scenes, you know, and crazy mm -hmm. missions. <laughs> but I guess, like, having a child involved definitely, like, raises the stakes. So um, do we think that we're going to see, like, an interaction between, like, the Bad Patch and, like, you know, other clones like, you know, Cody and Rex? Well, yeah, I think that's possible. It would be interesting to see, like, especially because I'm predicting the child might be either a Padawan that's escaped or a Force-sensitive um, person. And that's why, like, they are saving them. Like they're protecting them or something like that. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And then you get this interaction where you you have the old clones that immediately are going to try and kill it. 
<laughs> while they're trying to protect it. I think that'd be a great interaction, at least. Well, I like your script. I hope that's that's actually what we're getting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and we also saw Finnick from uh, the Mandalorian series. Uh, so maybe we'll get more of her backstory uh, because really we know shit about Finnick. So um, oh, yeah. she's such a cool character. <laughs> so the more we can like get like about her history, the better. So, um, but yeah, no, I, like I said, I, I'm looking forward to this now. Um, it seems like they're battling a lot of clones. It seems like they're battling a lot of droids. We're in this weird, like transition period, you know, in the galaxy. So I, I hope that this series really is able to kind of like give us like a better picture of what things were like at this time. Speaking of Jedis, do you think we get to see like glimpses of, you know, the legendary like, you know, Jedi hunt? Maybe, maybe in one episode. I feel like they won't dive into it too much, but I'd love to see it. You know, I'm clamoring for just a show focusing on Vader just killing Jedi. So, I mean, and, I want it, but. I mean, honestly, if you think about it, they could flesh out so many different like characters and stories with this series because it is like mm -hmm. working is like a perfect transition. Now I know I'm setting the bar way too high for this series and I'm just going to end up being disappointed because of that. But that's my own fault. I can't blame the series if it doesn't deliver me every answer that I'm looking for. But it'd be cool to like meet up with different characters that we saw like throughout like Clone Wars and we don't know like necessarily like how their stories ended. But all right. I, all I know is like David Filoni always has tons of surprises up his sleeve. So I'm, mm -hmm. I'm, like I said, I'm looking forward to this series now. I'll be debuting on Star Wars Day, May 4th. Of course. <laughs> it's marketing, man. Come on. I know. <laughs> well, all right. It's time for some Falcon and Winter Soldier talk. Warning spoilers for the Falcon and the Winter Soldier ahead. You have been warned. Who are you? Lamar Hoskins. Look, I see a guy hanging out of a helicopter in tactical gear. I need a lot more than Lamar Hoskins. I'm Battlestar. John Spiner. Battlestar? Stop the car! Well, all right, let's start talking the second episode of the series so far. All right, so let's go ahead and get into it. Uh, so we start off the episode with the new Captain America, John Walker. Uh, he's in his army uniform, and he's sort of reflecting uh, in his old uh, high school football locker room. Uh, here we're introduced to his wife or girlfriend uh, and his partner, Lamar Hoskins. They both give him sort of a pep talk before he makes his appearance on Good Morning America. Uh, I thought this was a pretty strong scene as you can kind of feel the pressure of Walker's new role weighing on him. Uh, he's even like sitting there practicing his lines, which was a nice touch. It really like helped like humanize him, making him more than just some jerk cosplaying as Captain America. It also like helped to like establish his support system. Uh, in the comics, Lamar Hoskins is John Walker's sidekick when he takes over the shield from uh, Steve Rogers. At first, he actually goes by the codename Bucky, but once the real life comic book writers realized that the name was like racial offensive being close to the term buck a derogatory term for uh slaves in the civil war they quickly changed his name to battlestar so in the comics lamar stages fights for walker to win when walker's going by the name super patriot and he's campaigning to take over the role of captain america from steve rogers um for more info on that check out last episode we kind of like dive into john walker's origin story there uh, 
the interview on Good Morning America also did a really like solid job of like padding like Walker's resume as a legit war hero and someone who could, you know, in the public's eye be deserving of carrying on Steve's legacy. I mean, don't get me wrong, I still want to punch him in the face, but uh, this went a long way in adding more like dimension to his character. Yeah, I guess I was expecting almost like them to show maybe there's like a weird edge to him at the beginning of this episode uh, during that moment. But it was it was it was interesting to see, you know, like, you know, this is just a guy getting into the role. Um, what we did get to see was like he has some form of abilities. I didn't I, I wasn't sure if like they're going to go with that route right away. Like if they if he had been you know using the super serum or what what they planned to do with him, like. Was he just a guy who was super skilled with shields? Who knows? But, <laughs> but now in the interview, like he mm -hmm. mentions like he doesn't have the super soldier serum. Like in an yes. interview or what he's talking with, I can't remember exactly where it is in the episode, but he does like, it sounds like he's trying to play off that he doesn't have abilities, but like clearly watching like that little like, training montage yeah it's there's no way that he has abilities. <laughs> <laughs> because i even feel like the um in the chase scene that we get later on in the episode that we'll talk about um it's pretty obvious that he's enhanced somehow yeah exactly so um i'm and we'll talk about it but that's definitely i believe part of this story also like i know i joked about wanting to punch you know john walker in the face but that's john walker not wyatt russell because he's yes. an actor playing a role. <laughs> um, people are having a hard time with that, it seems like, this week. <laughs> that he's just an actor playing a scripted role on a fictional TV series. So, um, I don't know why this is such an issue nowadays. <laughs> like, people have such a hard time, like, differentiating. Um, I, maybe it's just, like, some angry, like, weird 12-year-old kid on his keyboard giving, like, Nerdum a bad name. But... It just it, it this week all I've heard is that you know he's been getting harassed, which is just insane. Like, have we not learned anything from what happened to um, who played Jar Jar Banks or Kelly Marie Tran? Like, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but I mean, we talked about this you know last week with him immediately apologizing for playing this role before this even started. You know, like the moment he was on screen, he's like, "I hope people don't hate me." You know, it's, yeah. it, they saw this coming. I I don't know. It's. It's just the kind of world we live in right now. I, I talk about media literacy all the time. It's just, just, it's just grow it up, people. Jesus Christ. <laughs> so in the next scene, we actually get the first interaction of Sam and Bucky on screen together in the series. Um, Bucky is absolutely furious at Sam for handing over the shield. He doesn't understand why Sam made the choice that he did instead of taking on the role of Captain America for himself. Uh, Falcon is all business as he's on his way to Munich to confront the Flag Smashers, uh, who are about to steal a shipment of medicine. Uh, Bucky, against Sam's wishes, comes along for the ride, especially once he hears that some of the Flag Smashers might have superpowers. Right from the get-go, the chemistry between these two characters just jumps off the screen and really reminds you how great they are together well for me during the moments i've seen with them together so far in this episode alone at least um something just felt a little bit off um chemistry wise and i know that there's i know that there's a building tension especially with everything you know with the decisions between the two characters and everything but i don't know if it was something the way it was paced the way it was written or the way it was edited because like the moments we got in the trailer felt you know i i the performance felt a little bit better for some reason than it did 
here in the actual episode. I don't know what it was because there's definitely scenes that we'll get into that I thought worked perfectly. But then there were scenes in this between the two of them that just felt weird. It didn't okay. feel like the two characters um, in a way that I expected it to, at least in the episode. And I could I could be saying a whole different thing when I see the entire story together. You know, maybe it makes more sense to me later. And it's, I'm just being an idiot right now. Who knows? I feel like their chemistry didn't work right here for me just yet. Well, I mean, you're definitely being an idiot, but you have the right to your opinion. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, I mean, hey, man, if it doesn't work for you, it doesn't work for you. That That's totally fine. Um, it definitely worked for me, though, so... So in another action-packed sequence uh, worthy of any MCU film, uh, we see Falcon and Barnes chase after the Flag Smashers who are moving the stolen cargo and trucks. Uh, they both end up getting their asses handed to them, and even Red Wing ends up getting demolished. Uh, they quickly realize that probably every single member of this group seems to have the Super Soldier serum somehow. Um, John Walker's Captain America and Battlestar, they end up making a surprise appearance, showing off that they're definitely skilled and kind of saving Bucky and Sam's asses, uh, but still they end up losing the fight as the Flag Smashers get away. They then try to convince Falcon and Barnes to team up with them, but both are not having any of it. Uh, the interaction between these two duos it was really nicely handled. Uh, the tension is definitely thick here. Uh, they went out of their way to make Walker and Hoskins also look like reasonable even like after Falcon finds out that he he was being tracked by tapping into Red Wing uh, who Walker does point out is actually government issued uh, which is inter interesting because I was like wait is Sam's wings actually government issued too or did Tony like design new ones for him I don't remember but anyway um, I hope that doesn't come to play later on or maybe it does who knows uh, there's some really like hilarious lines also here is like Bucky questions Walker like worthiness um, you know to carry the shield by asking if he's ever jumped on a grenade before which walker quips actually three times and he even mentions a trick he does with his helmet oh yeah like i loved immediately bucky wanting to get out of the truck as soon as uh battlestar said his name uh -huh. <laughs> right thought that was hilarious i don't blame um, him though it's an awful name yes <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, no, the, the tension in this scene was great. Um, you know, what we got um, with uh, Sam saying, you know, it's always that last line and then him departing, I thought was nah. just a great moment in general. Um, I, I do, I do want to see more of these two groups, you know, butting heads throughout the show. Yeah, I definitely think you're going to get that. Yes. <laughs> and then in one of the biggest moments in the series so far, Falcon questions how they could possibly have the Super Soldier Serum. So then Bucky, in turn, takes Sam to Baltimore to get some answers. Here, we not only meet Eli Bradley, who in the comics ends up being the Young Avenger Patriot, which is cool, but we already knew he was cast. But in a holy shit moment, we end up meeting his grandfather, Isaiah, which I didn't realize was in the show. Um, maybe it was common knowledge, but I don't know. I guess I s somehow missed it. But anyway, in a really like moving speech, we find out that he was a super soldier back in Korea. Uh, he was sent on a mission to take down the Winter Soldier, uh, Bucky, who was being controlled by Hydra, of course, at the time. Uh, he ended up whipping his ass, taking apart like his arm, I guess. <laughs> um, I don't know. Actor Carl Lumpley uh, just kills it um, with this like emotional monologue, uh, you know, on why he's not going to 
help them get answers. He tells them how he was treated afterwards, being locked up for 30 years after serving his country, uh, being experimented on like by both like the US government and Hydra at different times. But anyway, he ends up kicking Sam and Barnes out of the house. Um, it's such a heavy scene. I just love how like deep into like Captain America's lore from the comic books we're going now. The story of Isaiah Bradley uh, goes back to a comic book that came out in the early 2000s called Truth, Red, White, and Black. Uh, it's one of Marvel's greatest retcons, if you ask me. Uh, in it, we find out that the government, like in the 40s, pre-Weapon Plus program, is like desperate to recreate the super soldier serum. Uh, they end up using a group of 300 black soldiers as guinea pigs, uh, many who like die in like horrific fashions due to the experiments. Uh, only a small group survives, but at the end, Bradley is really the only one left standing after some secret missions like go awry. Uh, Bradley then decides to go on his own to stop the Germans from doing their own super soldier experiments. Uh, he dresses as Captain America, who like he idolizes. He's successful in like assassinating, I believe, the head of the program. Um, it's been a while since I read the story, so forgive me if I'm getting something wrong. Uh, but he ends up being captured. Uh, he does end up getting rescued, but like straight after that, he's court-martialed and locked away for years until he's pardoned by the president. In the comics, uh, he becomes this legendary figure for the African-American community with like many on the outside not really knowing like who he is or his importance. Uh, in the Marvel Universe, also a lot of the African-American heroes look up to him, like not as only like the second Captain America, but one of the first like African-American like superheroes. We'll talk more about his grandson Eli later and his backstory. Just know that the Young Avengers are coming. <laughs> um, that's a sure thing at this point with all the different like debut like appearances we're getting uh, this, this year. So um, I do hope we get deeper into Isaiah's story in the series or, you know, maybe even somewhere else. Uh, if you haven't read Truth, though, definitely pick it up. The art isn't really my cup of tea, but the story is absolutely amazing and, of course, still incredibly relevant. Yeah, I definitely think this show is going to get me into a little bit more Captain America stuff as I've, you know, I've always kind of never been interested in his books in general. And I definitely, you know, he, he is pretty much a big part of the Marvel Universe. He's kind of almost at their hearts, you know? So it's kind of like, there's a lot of stuff I have missed with uh, his character. So I, I would be interested in picking this up because this was very interesting to see from this character. There's a lot of stuff I don't know about this character that we just got introduced to. I was I was shook as hell to see him like throw, what, what did he throw something across the room or he just like It was like some wall? kind of like tin or something like that <laughs> yeah. that like stuck into the wall. So, I mean, that dude was furious. Like, <laughs> I, I was scared for the actors. Like he seemed uh -huh. like he seemed like legitimately like pissed off. Like it felt real. Like Yes. <laughs> Definitely one of those moments where you forget that they're acting. <laughs> yes. I was like, oh shit. <laughs> Get out of there, Sam. <laughs> 
All right, so outside the house, Barnes and Sam start to argue as Sam is just completely taken aback that no one knows about Isaiah and his story, not even Steve, uh, who had no doubt been on the warpath if he would have known, uh, when up rolls Baltimore's finest as they ask Barnes if everything's okay. Uh, when he sees them confronting Sam, Bucky asks if they know who this is. Um, and once they realize that it's fucking Falcon, um, they become very apologetic of course. Um, they end up actually arresting Bucky, who's breaking his probation for missing a therapy session. I love that the Marvel shows are really ending up, like, being about something, if that makes any sense. Like, it's deeper than just, like, super heroics. Um, with WandaVision, like, tackling grief and all its different stages and mental illness, and now, like, with this series, like, diving into, like, race in America. It's really giving us this, like, deeper subtext that the films sometimes just can't. And it's not their fault, it's just series gives you the ability for, like, long-form storytelling. Um, you know, of course, you have great films like Ryan Coogler's Black Panther that did like tackle deeper subject matters, but like imagine what he could have done with like a series format. I mean, I guess we'll get to see that in his spinoff series, uh, Wakanda, which is coming soon for Disney Plus. But anyway, um, I just feel like we're getting that like full comic book experience with these like Disney Plus series. I mean, comics can be more than just, you know, two characters dressed in silly costumes punching each other on a splash page. I mean, don't get me wrong, I love that. Um, but when done right, they can also be these well-layered stories that serve as a reflection of who we are as a society in, like, many different ways. Yeah, exactly. I feel like that's, I mean, even with, like, the comics, when they tell you a story that's more than just Spider-Man, you know, punching a villain, you know, th that those get remembered more. Those, you know, stick with you and, you know, make you remember the character and even make you relate to them more. I definitely appreciate that we're getting that in the big screen format you know that's it's so much so much more interesting to see than you know as, as much as i loved growing up with my my, my beat em up superheroes you know it's i'm glad that we're getting to a place of you know emotional value with each character anyway we uh see sam at the police station and we find out that uh bucky has been released with the help of john walker's captain america uh but also we find out that his therapist is there and she's demanding an impromptu therapy session between both him and sam so after a hilarious moment that sees him and Sam have a staring contest uh, it's that moment that we see in the trailer um, we really get into like the minutia of why Bucky is so upset at Sam for not becoming the new Captain America I mean at its core it's because if Steve was wrong about Sam being the right person to carry on his legacy then maybe Steve was wrong to believe in Bucky so I honestly could watch a whole series of Sam and Bucky just in therapy. Uh, these sessions are absolutely like brilliant. Um, and like it's just such a great setup to get to know what makes these characters tick. So more of this, please. They agree to do one more mission together and then they'll just part their separate ways. Uh, after this, John Walker and Battlestar once again ask them to team up to take on the Flag Smashers. Uh, Sam and, you know, Barnes both refuse, saying that since they're free agents, they are more flexible in the things that they can do. Um, so it just wouldn't make any sense. Walker then shows maybe his true colors and tells them to stay the hell out of his way. 
I mean, for me, for this therapy scene, um, while I was having the issues with, you know, them in the room and stuff like that, I just didn't feel it from them. I'm thinking maybe based off of just, you know, how much was going on in this episode, I might have liked it more if the next episode had started with the therapy session. Like, I feel like because it is a six episode series and they are packing so much into like these first two episodes to really kick you off into the adventure. Um, because I mean, that's I mean, that's what happens right after this. It's pretty much this is what we are doing in this show is kind of how they end after that therapy session. I feel like a series that might have gone longer would have been able to expanded more on these types of scenes. Um, and that's just kind of I, I don't know. I, I feel like the pacing was definitely weird. And I definitely said that to like um, the people I was watching with afterwards. I was like, there was a lot that just happened in this episode. And I was like, I don't know how I feel about this much happening. That's a really good point because it is kind of shoehorned in that whole therapy scene. Um, they come up with an excuse for them to have a therapy session like right after uh, Bucky gets out of jail, uh, which doesn't feel, you know, realistic and a little too convenient. Uh, I like the scene itself, but it is mm -hmm. a lot happening. Um, and you're right. It's totally because they're probably just crunched for time. They're trying to get a lot done in six episodes, even though that these episodes are longer than the WandaVision episodes, but they've got, what, like three less, right? Three? Yes. Yeah, three mm -hmm. less. So, um, but yeah, no, um, it's interesting because obviously they can dictate their own episode count, right? True, yeah, <laughs> it's their <laughs> network. <laughs> but I agree with you. I think that scene, even though I liked it, I think it probably would have worked better to start off like the third episode with it, where you could kind of let it like sit there and breathe and get a little deeper with it. Um, cause like Bucky does like just kind of blurt out like exactly like how he's feeling where you can mm -hmm. have like the therapist like organically, you know, um, help Bucky get there. And I mean, like you, I, I do enjoy the therapist and I'm kind of, I was kind of hoping for this like weird formula where it's like they run off on a mission, then they have to go back to talk to the therapist each episode. Thought that would have been fun, but I know we will see her again at some point. Yeah. I, I'm assuming, uh, but um, I hope I'm so. guessing she'll be gone for a little bit, <laughs> for a couple episodes. I believe around this point, uh, we cut to see the Flag Smashers are on the run trying to get away from someone they refer to as the Power Broker. Uh, one of them actually sacrifices themselves to make sure that they get away. Uh, their leader, Carly uh, Morgenthau, who's definitely supposed to be like the female version of the comic book character who actually identifies himself as the actual Flag Smasher. Um, I believe his name is Carl Morgenthau. So anyway, uh, she's all shook up by this um, sacrifice. Also, in a scene I think I skipped over, uh, we see that civilians are actually like helping out this group and that they consider them like freedom fighters and like modern day like Robin Hoods. So, I mean... Are they actually the villains of the show? Um, I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Also, uh, warning, possible spoilers ahead. Uh, in the comics, the character of the Power Broker is actually the person, and like I said, spoilers, who gives John Walker and Lamar Hoskins their powers. So I guess what I'm trying to get at is, you know, definitely the Power Broker is absolutely 100% Mephisto. No, I'm just joking. Maybe. <laughs> but in all seriousness, um, things might not be what they seem here. Uh, and 
our new Captain America and Battlestar might be trying to cover their trail, or maybe they're even working with this power uh, So you're saying this could be our true villain, the broker, and maybe that's what they're working towards. I, it, it makes sense. I, I could totally see that being the storyline. It kind of puts um, that actress in the same role she had in Star Wars, where she's just kind of a misunderstood. Oh, um, yeah. She's Umphinesque. So, <laughs> yes. yeah, in the Solo series, she's basically the same thing. She's a freedom fighter, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but we're, we're led to believe she's the villain of the film. So, exactly. Yeah, she's being typecast, I guess, right? <laughs> <laughs> so then at the end of the show, in a moment that has some strong Silence of the Lambs vibes, Bucky and Sam decide to go visit their old friend, Z who's locked away in a cell to see if he has any insight or answers to what the hell's going on with this super soldier serum. But Zemo definitely seems like he's on his way probably next episode, and I for one can't wait for it. I hope I hope we get to see a little bit more maniacal evilness out of this Zemo. Um, I wonder how he's going to escape from the facility. because They seem like they've got him pretty tight in there. I wonder if there's going to be some hijinks when they show up. Who knows? Oh, most likely, right? Because yeah. <laughs> in the trailer, they're showing them, you know, walking about, you know, rocking the mask. Yes. So, yeah, though, no, that's definitely happening. Exactly. Well, join us next week as we break down another episode of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. All right, Christian, you saw a movie this week, right? Th- that's right. I saw Godzilla vs. Kong. Warning spoilers for Godzilla vs. Kong ahead. You have been warned. And now, our feature presentation. are dangerous times. Godzilla's out there and he's hurting people and we don't know why. There's something provoking him that we're not seeing here. I'm of the same opinion. The myths are real. There was a war. And they're the last ones standing. I keep reaching for greatness because I'm built from it. The epic next chapter of the cinematic monsterverse pits two of the greatest icons in motion picture history against one another. The fearsome Godzilla and the mighty Kong with humanity caught in the balance. This film is directed by Adam Wingard and stars Millie Bobby Brown, Alexander Skarsgård, and Rebecca Hall. A fight that has been promised to us since Godzilla's release in 2014 finally came to be and for all intents and purposes was a solid flick. Combining the stories and lore of the past three films, we see these two alpha titans fight for the crown of King of All Monsters and just as promised had a clear out winner. In this film, we start off with Godzilla attacking an Apex Cybernetics lab facility and instantly being demonized for it. After having saved the world in the last film, society feels a bit betrayed that he would attack humans. But Millie Bobby Brown's character from Godzilla King of Monsters, uh, Madison Russell, isn't buying it and immediately begins to question what was going on at that lab to set off Godzilla. She embarks on a quest with a pal to uncover the truth along with finding a conspiracy theorist who is spying on the company from within named Bernie Hayes as played by the upcoming Eternal star Brian Tyree Henry. Meanwhile Apex seeks out help in finding a way into the Hollow Earth which is basically a realm that lives within our Earth. Um, They are doing this in order to find a 
mystical power source to power up a secret weapon of theirs, which is definitely what has set off Godzilla. Enter Alexander Skarsgård's character, uh, Dr. Nathan Lind, who quickly hypothesizes with the help of a Titan they could get into the Hollow Earth. Apex sends Nathan to recruit Kong for such a mission, along with some fancy spaceship that can handle pressure of going into the center of the Earth and handle gravity reversing itself. Nathan, who has connections with Dr. Eileen and Gia from Kong Skull Island, devise a plan to have Kong show them the way. Upon release from captivity, Godzilla is immediately notified through his senses that Kong is out, and so we get our first of three fights. The fight sequences in this film are the star attraction, as they should be, and while the previous movies have been a bit more weighty in motion to show their giant scale, it really seemed like things were kind of sped up for this movie, um, you know, to give a more of an, like, an intense battle between the two characters, which for me actually wasn't a drawback. Most of the negatives actually for this film is the human story. It's simple and nothing is ever really over explained, just, hey, this is what we're doing. Um, their, their whole purpose is to basically lead us to each fight, which at the end of the day, I mean, is all you really needed from them. And while I found their storylines to be a tad laughable at times, I was, you know, super into the actual real attraction here, which is the battle between Kong and Godzilla. And of course, as predicted, which I don't think this is much of a spoiler, but spoiler warning anyway, um, the entry of Mecha Godzilla in the final act. If you're expecting some awe-inspiring film with a relatable human story, maybe even something along the line of the first Godzilla in this franchise, you're not going to get that here. And while the fear and destruction of Titans was a big part of what launched this franchise, I don't really think it needs to be the focus for one of these monster movies to succeed. And when you're not focusing on that, make sure everything else is solid. And that's what I praise this film for achieving. Nothing but stunning visuals, great sound design, and badass monster fights. What more can you really ask for? I mean, honestly, I thought it was almost a disservice for me watching it at home because of how beautiful the fight between Kong and Godzilla was during the Hong Kong scenes. Just absolutely stunning. All right, Christian, what grade do you give this epic showdown? Yeah, well, for my grade, I think, I mean, even though it might be at a, at a curve, possibly, I would definitely say that this movie is worth seeing and, you know, checking out on your own. I'm going to give it a B, a solid B. It was a fun time. Um, I enjoyed the film. You're not going to get much out of the human element, and you, you don't really, you shouldn't want that anyway. You're here to see fucking Kong and Godzilla punch it out against each other and destroy cities. That's what you want to watch. So if that's what you're looking for, this is the movie for you. Definitely check this out. Um, it's on HBO Max but you can also see it in theaters right now. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's that time again. It's time for Christian's Corner. This last week in gaming, we saw quite a bit of news coming from and around CD Projekt Red and its, you know, shaky new game, Cyberpunk 2077, among other things in the works for the studio. For starters, there was a massive 1.2 patch that came from Cyberpunk 2077 that seemed to be a start at really making changes to performance and addressing the many bugs of the game. With a patch notes list longer than Chris Jericho's list of 1,000 wrestling holds, we started to see things 
things headed in the right direction for this game. Fixes from how V lays in bed all the way to mission breaking bugs um, were addressed and has left a lot of fans more hopeful for the future of the game. But this is clearly only the beginning for CD Projekt Red's journey into fixing the product they shipped. I for one was pretty damn excited by the changes they made for the police system, now having more of a kind of like scan feature that has a robot look for you first and then having cops show up um, at a further distance rather than them, you know, just showing up right on top of your ass. Many players are rejoicing in fixed weather systems and overall reporting a more lifelike city. But when one problem is fixed, another part breaks. And it's also been stated that a whole litany of new bugs for the game have developed. But from what I have seen of the changes, I have to say I am a tad bit more hopeful as well for even bigger fixes down the road. The company itself seems to be undergoing several changes in how it not only makes games, but how it markets and manages said games. CD Projekt Red recently announced that it was changing its approach towards the multiplayer aspect of Cyberpunk. Rather than making you know just a AAA spin-off multiplayer experience for the game, um, they stated that they are reevaluating and creating technology to build an online experience that functions with all of their future titles, meaning that instead of focusing and treating Cyberpunk's multiplayer as just another release um, from the studio, you're more likely to see online come in the next generation of games from CDPR. And speaking of which, it seems the studio will be working to make more games more frequently. They're looking to have more teams working on separate projects rather than you know their current model of having everyone work on one game at a time. So basically, instead of waiting four to eight years on the next Witcher after Cyberpunk, you will see it come maybe two to three. Um, while this sounds great at the moment, it still stands to say if their leadership is in such a way to take on a schedule like this after the catastrophe of a after the catastrophe of a launch cyberpunk was however one of the key factors in that launch was its marketing strategy showing off more than they could possibly actually deliver or showing off too much of the game in general you know before it was even finalized it seems CD Projekt Red is looking towards a kind of Bethesda marketing inspiration as you know they've gone on to state that they want to release information for their games in a similar fashion as the creators of Fallout and Elder Scrolls. That pretty much being very little until near its release and only showing what actually works in the functioning game. So hopefully in the future of their marketing, you're more likely to see, you know, maybe a couple small teasers and then big gameplay near the game's actual launch, which will be able to, you know, kind of handle and manage fans' expectations as well. At the end of the day, this all feels like CD Projekt Red putting their best foot forward after the mess of Cyberpunk. And while their stock may continue to be going down, I personally hope they learn from this entire experience because we all know what they're capable of putting together. You can catch me you know, live most Sundays on our Twitch still playing The Witcher 3, a game with enormous scale, world building, story and overall heart. You know, they have the skills to pull through all of this. And maybe by next year, we'll all be singing a different song when it comes to Cyberpunk. But of course, it's going to take a lot to forget all that happened with the initial launch. 
And another thing, the game is still not even on the PlayStation Network. So we'll see if these patches, you know, eventually lead to the game being re-released on the PlayStation Store. Now, this is still a game I plan on returning to myself on stream for my second full playthrough. You know, I'm still debating on when that will happen. Maybe summer, um, you know, maybe after May, because there are two big games I plan on playing in May, which is Resident Evil 8 and also Deathloop. But for now, you can catch me playing The Witcher 3 um, this Easter Sunday and can also catch me finishing Batman The Enemy Within on Saturday. Make sure to follow us on Twitch for all our live content and to follow our live stream Twitter at AmazingNerdLive to keep up to date on all of our live streams. Some special Special announcements are also coming pretty soon, so you might want to like make sure that you're following me. All right, now on to wrestling. But I would like to formally invite you to once again be my guest at the grandest stage of them all. Will you be my guest at WrestleMania? It'd be a pleasure, Sammy. Ah! Yeah. <laughs> Don't hurt yeah. yourself, man. Oh my God. This night, this night, just when you, it, this, it can't get better than this, can it? And this is great, because now you're gonna get to see it firsthand. You're gonna get to see firsthand what I am going to do to that backstabbing, willfully ignorant Kevin Owens. But that, you know what, that's, that's WrestleMania. <laughs> All right, Christian, so we don't have much time left, but we'd be totally remiss to mention that the Wednesday Night Wars has officially come to an end as uh, WWE announced that NXT will be moving to Tuesday nights starting April 13th. This is something that's been rumored for a while. Um, it's not because they got their ass kicked in the ratings, as you know, many AEW fans would like you to think, though. Um, it, but it has much more to do with like NBC Universal wanting to put hockey on the USA Network, so they needed that Wednesday night. So that's exactly why NXT is moving to Tuesday because you got to believe McMahon would never, never admit defeat like that. <laughs> ratings wise, they've definitely both lost momentum recently it feels like mm -hmm. um so i think it's gonna help nxt and you know AEW. um you know get back on track exactly and i think it'll be better not having to constantly switch between channels anymore and like having to watch separate recordings now you just have separate days just just have separate yeah. days <laughs> it's fine <laughs> i agree 100 percent. so um mm -hmm. but yeah no uh so quickly in other news uh new japan apparently found the divas title and decided to go plate it <laughs> if you say so david it's it's pretty awful christian yes i oh i why, agree i hate the guy fuck with perfection like i don't understand they I know, literally right? had the best title in the business if you don't know what we're talking about uh koto bushi has been both you know the heavyweight champion and the intercontinental champion uh he's unified both belts into one title um and it's horrendous well, I don't necessarily have an issue with them unifying the belts because I feel like they have too many belts right now. Um, mm -hmm. I just I don't know, man, like just it could be a unification in name only like you don't need to like come up with a new belt. Like I would have been fine. Yeah. <laughs> the belt was so fucking perfect. Like it, it was my favorite fucking belt. And I'm not like a, a heavy duty like belt guy or anything. But my God, you know. <laughs> Um, it, it is just so disappointing too. And like, who came up with that design? Why does it have wings? Oh, who knows? I don't, <laughs> I, I will say this. I feel like 
it, it fits Kota Ibushi. You know, I feel like if it, what is I know he, John it's, Cena? it's not, it's not like, going to be. I guess, but it, it, I feel like it fits him, but I can't imagine that title being held by anyone else in that business. So why do you think it fits him? Just because it. Because his so, whole moniker of, you know, where he's like, he's flying, he's soaring to new heights. It, it feels oh. like they built, made it in with him in mind, you Whatever. know? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's what, that's the, the assumption I get to when I look at that title. And it didn't look bad with him holding it at the time. But at the same time, I, 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 the old belt was just so fucking good looking and it worked with any, it just, it had the lineage, it had the style. It just, it would have worked with any of their talents. This one just looks, you know, like, a, I don't know. I think of like a It looks a like a toy to me. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's, that's the thing. Like the other belt had such a classic look yes. and it looked like, you know, and it looks like what a championship should look like. Yes. Which, I mean, WWE doesn't have any longer. I mean, with their horrendous belts, and I'm not a fan of what the Universal title looks like or, you know, the WWE belts. Um, they both still look like toys to me. Like, I, I don't like the different color straps. Mm-hmm. I've never been a, a fan of that. Even dating back to the, you know, the the, the era of the Ultimate Warrior where he started doing that. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. It's just not my thing. Like, I like the classic, you know, black strap if you got a strap like that. Um, I don't know. I don't know why I'm so outraged by it. <laughs> I'll get over it. Like, uh-huh. I'm sure I'll get used to it. I mean, it is what it is. Uh, but yeah, no, now in my mind, um, AEW has like the best looking world title. No, without a doubt in my mind, I, I agree. Um, and at this point, I'm ready to see Naito just take that title and throw it around. <laughs> oh that'd be a great storyline uh-huh. so that's why they have to go back to the original belt <laughs> he just broke the shit out of it he just trashes it <laughs> that'd be awesome i said I get rid of a belt not get great. rid of the best belt <laughs> i know right it's just i don't know man i think it looks ugly uh-huh. I maybe i'm being too harsh but <laughs> We're just being crabby old men about this. I guess. Um, So speaking of being a crabby old man, Christian, I need you to explain to me who the fuck Logan Paul is. Because he's going to be part of WrestleMania, apparently. uh, To my best ability, he was a YouTuber that kind of got off on doing crazy stunts on his page. I mean, even right now, you can go on there and see, oh, I spent $2 million on this special card or some shit like that. Um, he's also most notable for his moment in Japan, where he actually filmed dead bodies in the suicide force. Um, uh, oh, really? Yeah. He's kind of a sociopath. I get the feeling that he oh. just copies other people's emotions and otherwise doesn't <laughs> have any feelings himself. Uh, that's just my own personal, I guess, outlook on him. But um, and this is someone that WWE wants to do business with. Huh? Well, um, you know, apparently he is selling like hotcakes when it comes to these pay-per-views because he's been doing boxing mm. matches with other boxers, other celebrities and other YouTubers. Um, and they, you know, get tons of attention. That's actually the first time I heard about him was, mm-hmm. I believe, like one of his pay-per-views like soundly defeated AEW. Um, so that literally, that's the first time I heard of them. I just can't imagine like Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens, like being thrilled about having to work an angle with Logan Paul, just knowing what type of guys they seem to be mm-hmm. at least. Um, and maybe I'm completely wrong. Maybe they're both scumbags. I don't know personally, but they seem like, you know, 
guys with like strong moral convictions. So is this like a punishment? <laughs> like, I don't know. Um, you know, I, it just seems bizarre to me. So, uh, but yay, WrestleMania. Yay, WrestleMania. <laughs> just around the corner, Damon. WWE loves their celebrities. I'm sure they'll be inducting Logan Paul into the uh, celebrity wing of the Hall of Fame. Oh, yeah. You know, and right a, after a Bad years. Bunny. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Who's going to totally pin the Miz? Oh, yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> What are we doing here? All right. <laughs> but anyway, that's all with the time we have for wrestling this week. Uh, go ahead and join us next episode as we'll be balls deep in WrestleMania week. Are you excited, Christian? Oh, yes, super excited. You're a fucking liar. <laughs> I am. I am a huge liar about that. <laughs> Just think we're getting Ciampa and fucking Walter, man. That's going to make it all worthwhile. That's going to make it all worthwhile. Sure. That's mm-hmm. all I'm saying. Well, that does it for this week. That's right. And as a friendly reminder, if you're listening to us on your favorite podcast platform, remember to subscribe, rate, and give us a five-star review. Exactly. It sure does help an independent podcast like ours continue to grow. And while you're at it, make sure to tell a friend. Plus, if you like any of the stories we talked about on this week's episode, make sure to check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to catch the full articles, trailers, memes, and more. That's right. You can follow us at Amazing Nerd Show on all social media platforms. And hey, if you're looking for extra content, make sure to catch our streams every weekend on Twitch, plus YouTube videos Monday through Friday. Want to support the show further? You can head over to tpublic.com and get yourself some amazing Nerd Show merch. We've got t-shirts, hoodies, stickers, and more. And if you post what you bought and tag us on social media, we'll send you some additional nerd swag if you live in the United States. All right, David, what are we talking about next week? Well, Christian, we'll be breaking down the latest episode of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and we'll also be reviewing the film Nobody. All right, well, my name's Christian. And my name's Damon. And that was The Amazing Nerd Show. But due to international copyright laws, it's not. Still, we should run like it is, Godzilla! Though it isn't. Ah!